This is episode number 108 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, Jesse jumping in here before today's show. A little announcement for you. I am hosting a live online workshop this Thursday, February 27th, totally free for you. It is called A Complete Fitness Plan for Thriving and Not Just Surviving During Your Pregnancy and Postnatal Journey, whether you're an athlete or just getting into physical activity for the first time. Live on the workshop, we are going to cover why you might be feeling unprepared for your prenatal or postnatal journey and why that is not in any way your fault and exactly how to solve that, what a more modern approach to preparing and rehabbing post-pregnancy is so that you can thrive and not just survive your pregnancy, exactly what kind of exercise you might want to focus on during every stage of your pregnancy and postnatal journey and what to avoid with a little teaser tons of walking early postpartum might not be the harmless exercise we're told it is and why your postnatal journey can be about way way more than just losing weight and why the focus on dropping the pounds quickly can actually be harmful I would love to have you there. Come meet me on the internet this Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we'll chat for about an hour about all the pregnancy and postpartum exercise and body questions that you might have. And even if you can't make the live time, do be sure to register anyways, as I will send along a recording of the session that you will be able to watch for a limited time. The link to grab your seat is in today's show notes, or you can head over to jessiemundell.com forward slash complete. All right, friends, see you Thursday. Hey, friends, welcome on to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Jesse Mundell, and I am doing a solo episode today all about my eating disorder and disordered eating story. And I want to offer a content warning before we get into this episode that there might be some things that you are not wanting to hear that you do not need to hear about if you perhaps are in a similar situation, if you're going through a similar journey of an eating disorder, this might not be appropriate for you. This has been an episode that has been requested by many people, so I wanted to have the space to talk through it. So if it is right for you, I invite you to stay. And if it's not, I totally, completely understand because I've been in the space where it has not been safe for me to listen to these types of stories before either. So if you're sticking around, let's get right into it. I struggled with an eating disorder 
and then disordered eating for a very long time. When I was eight years old, I have my first memories of feeling like my body was too big and too fat and I needed it to be smaller and slimmer. So that is where I want to start. And then eventually we're going to come to current day today, the year 2020, when I'm 32 years old and all the unraveling and unlearning I have done throughout this time. Let's do this. I was eight years old. I was in the third grade. And I remember being at my elementary school with my family. I think we were there for a fundraiser, some type of school event. It was after school hours in the evening is how I remember it. And I was out on the playground with at least one or two friends of mine. We were on the monkey bars and I remember having shorts and a t-shirt or a tank top on. I was swinging around on the bars. I was also in gymnastics at this time, so that was a place that I felt really capable and strong and powerful. Even as an eight-year-old, I remember feeling like I had gained a lot of worth from the physicality of my body and what I could do with it. So we were on the monkey bars. I remember going to hook my knees over top of the monkey bars and then go to kind of slither through the top of the monkey bars to go to sitting on top of them. And this boy in my class said, you have a fat stomach. You're fat. And I remember in that moment feeling so shaken by what he had said but also just so deeply embarrassed and ashamed of my body. And I immediately took that on as a negative thing. So my stomach was showing when I had hooked my knees around and I was pulling myself up. And of course, due to that positioning, my stomach was squishing and showing. And he called me fat. And I took that on to mean that my stomach in particular was too big, too fat, too squishy, not good. I was eight years old and I can remember this whole however many like 20, 30 second moment of my life so clearly. I'm 32 years old and I remember this so clearly. I think I kind of got through that moment really uncomfortably, just tried to brush it off. I didn't say anything to this boy. I don't think I said anything to the couple of friends that I was with. I didn't tell anyone this had happened to my memory. I don't think that I ever talked about it to my parents, to my family. I think, again, I was just so embarrassed and felt a lot of shame from this situation that I just wanted it to be over and to not talk about. What I find so interesting, though, looking back on this, is that I was eight years old, I was a child, and I could comprehend that fat was bad. Being fat was bad, and being fat was something that I didn't want to be. 
somehow I believed that, I knew that, I had these thoughts. And I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go of maybe where those had come from, where I had learned those ideas, because we know that those are not true. These are socially constructed ideas, and I had learned them even in the third grade. The other thing that I just really have to stop and take a deep breath about a lot of the time when I think about these situations and now having my own kids and especially what we assume to be a girl kid that we are raising who is now four and a half years old is that this could be her in just a few years and this discomfort with my belly and thinking that my belly was bad and feeling ashamed and uncomfortable in my body and with my belly lasted so so long from this one comment and I know that it could have been another comment six months or six years down the road but it was this comment at eight years old that really kicked off so much pain for me and I don't blame the comment for doing that. There's so much else around it. But again, I think that now having a child and teaching them language about bodies and how we talk about our own bodies and other people's bodies is just so imperative. After that evening on the playground being called fat, I was also... There's also a couple other things happening at this time that I think became heightened for me. So I was in gymnastics at the time, from the time I was four or five years old, which by the way, is still a sport that I love dearly almost 30 years later. So I don't want anything I say from this point on to make you fearful of maybe putting your child in gymnastics. I think it is such a incredible sport and I have gained so much from it in my lifetime. So at eight years old, I was in this recreational gymnastics class program, maybe going once a week to gymnastics. And I was starting to notice the other girls in the gym who were in the competitive program. And I was starting to notice my body in relation to their bodies. So I noticed that a lot of them Most of them, probably all of them, had smaller bodies than I had at the time. And I noticed that they were doing gymnastic skills that I couldn't do, that I wanted to be able to do. And at eight years old, I equated it to their bodies were smaller, they were thinner. And so that's why they could do the harder skills that I couldn't do because I had a bigger body. And so obviously the issue, quote unquote issue, was that my body needed to be smaller and then I would be able to be better at gymnastics. Again, it's just interesting to me how I was creating all these stories for myself at such a young age. And it really just does, like it's just such a tiny example but shows us how much we need to see diversity in bodies everywhere in our worlds, in our small world, in our communities, in the sport we do, and then larger scale. 
I also remember that there was a scale in the gym, a weight scale, and I saw people using it. I still have really clear memories of me standing in this gym and to the right of me were the competitive girls doing some skills. They were flipping, doing backflips off these boxes. And to the left, I can picture other people lining up to go stand on the scale in the gym. This was during their practice time. So this is what I was seeing. These images of these competitive gymnasts who in my mind were idols. I was so amazed by what they were doing with their bodies. I wanted to be doing that too. I saw them weighing themselves because it was encouraged by the coaches at that time is my assumption. And then I also saw them doing these big hard tricks and I thought that that's what I needed to be doing too. So first of all, I was too fat because that's what I was called on the playground and then I could see that I wasn't doing what they were doing at gymnastics because I was too fat. I started to intentionally restrict food at this time. At eight years old, in the third grade, I knew I was intentionally restricting food to get skinnier, to get thinner. And I don't know how I knew that this was how things worked. I didn't know, I don't know if I knew that this is what dieting was. I don't really remember much conversation around that in our household or with my family, with my parents. It wasn't like I was watching my mom or my dad get on the scale or watching them not finish their whole meal. I don't remember much of that conversation. Of course, I do remember some like low-level fatphobic comments that might have been happening at school or larger family events, etc. But I don't this wasn't being modeled for me at home. So I don't know how I knew that this was the thing that I needed to do. Like I needed to eat less so I could get thinner. I'm not really sure how that all came together for me in my in my eight-year-old brain. What I do remember though is trying and again intentionally to eat less at meals, trying to not finish my whole breakfast, lunch, or dinner, trying to not eat all the food that was on my plate, trying not to finish a whole snack. I knew, I knew that that's what I was needing to do. Again, quote unquote, needing to do in order to change my body for it to become less fat, for it to become smaller. I so clearly remember trying to not eat my whole lunch at school. And at this point, I remember being nine years old in the fourth grade. And my teacher... Mrs. Ankers, who was and is an incredible woman. She was my fourth grade teacher. When I was preparing my notes for this episode, I totally creeped her on Facebook and saw photos of her and her grandkids, and it just brought back so many memories for me. She was wonderful. So I remember being in Mrs. Anchor's class. I was nine now, and I was trying to not eat 
as much as possible at school. Definitely was not eating a whole sandwich if my mom packed that. Was trying to throw out the sandwich. Was trying to not eat my snacks that were packed for me that day. Was throwing out my food in the garbage at school. One day, Mrs. Anchors came up to me discreetly in class that day or maybe as we were heading home and she handed me a note and she asked me to give this note to my parents when I got home not to open it give the note to my parents that night and immediately I had this sinking feeling in my stomach I knew what it would be about I knew that it she could tell something was going on. At this point, I had visibly become much thinner. I had lost a lot of weight, what I remember to be a lot of weight by that point, and I knew that she was worried about me not eating at school. She was a wonderful teacher, super attentive, and she could tell, of course, something was going on. I wasn't eating enough and she could tell that I was getting much thinner far too quickly for a nine-year-old child. As soon as I got home that night, I remember being in my bedroom, my childhood bedroom. I opened the letter and I read it and it was exactly that, that she was worried about me and she wanted my parents to know and she wanted to talk to them to see if there was anything else going on that maybe she didn't know about that she needed to know about uh, and she just wanted to have a conversation with them. And I threw the letter out in the garbage at home in my bedroom. I don't really know what happened next. I assume, of course, my parents didn't call her because they didn't get the letter and they eventually talked at some point very quickly down the road. I'll get to that again in just a second. But also at this time, I remember going to the doctor with my mom, who was obviously worried at this point too. So we went to the doctor, Dr. Carr, another wonderful woman in my life when I was a child. And I sat with my mom and with Dr. Carr. And I remember Dr. Carr asking me if maybe I was thinking anything specific about my body. I remember that she asked me if I was noticing the bodies of the girls at gymnastics and if I thought anything about their bodies and my body, asking me all these wonderfully kind questions, just trying to really see how I was thinking about things. And I just lied to her. And I remember intentionally lying to her because I felt really uncomfortable about what I was doing. And I don't think that I wanted anyone to no, because then I would have to change something. And I liked what was happening to my body. I liked that my body was getting smaller. So I lied to her. I told her, nope, I didn't notice the other bodies of the girls at gymnastics. I liked my body. Nothing was going on. Very soon after that, I don't really know the timeline specifically, but I remember being at home and my mom 
asked me to come into the den in our house, this little playroom, to talk with her and my dad about what was going on with me. And immediately I knew that they knew. That they knew something was up, that I was throwing out my food, they had talked to Mrs. Anchors, they could see all the patterns, they were very worried about me. I remember being in the den and just being so upset and crying and being so uncomfortable and embarrassed. I don't remember exactly what we spoke about, but I do know that it was from that point on that things needed to change, that they were going to be really encouraging me to eat more food. I needed to eat more food to be healthy and strong and do the flips at gymnastics. And I remember it being a really like eating was positive. We needed food for energy and for muscles and to be able to run and play and do the things that nine-year-old kids do. I think I was probably trying to convince them that I wasn't doing this intentionally perhaps that I felt okay about my body I don't I think I was still in this storyline likely because I was so embarrassed about the whole thing maybe I was saying that I just wasn't hungry I really wasn't hungry throwing out all these meals at school when of course I was so so hungry one point I forgot to mention is that I was obsessively weighing myself during this time. I remember liking the feeling of seeing the number going down and down and down as I stepped onto the scale. I'm not going to say specific numbers, but I do know that I had this number that I wanted to get under. And that number was low, very low. And I got under that number And I felt so good about that and I wanted it to stay there. So already I had these deep attachments to wanting, to wanting it to not change except to go smaller, except for that number to get smaller. I had these fears about that number going up and getting bigger. And this would be something that would stick with me for years and years after as well, too. All right. After this conversation with my parents, when they really knew what was going on, this was the first big conversation we had all had about it. I couldn't really hide anything too much after this point. I knew the eyes were on me. And what I remember is just that I incrementally began to eat more and more and slightly more over time. One memory that I have that is so clear is being in Florida. It's funny because we actually, at the time I'm recording this, we are going to Florida in just a few days. But I remember being in Florida on a family trip that we would do almost yearly as kids with our immediate family. We're in Florida. I was sitting eating breakfast 
and it was a piece of toast, one piece of toast with peanut butter on top and then banana slices over top of the peanut butter, which is still something that I absolutely love to this day. And I've grown up eating and ate a ton when we were kids. But what I remember is that really in the depths of that eating disorder, that anorexia was I, my mom or my dad would make this for me at home and I would try not to eat more than half the piece. So my parents would cut it into four pieces. So they would cut it in half, cut it in half again. So there were four pieces of this one single piece of toast. And I would try to eat only two of those pieces, even if I was still hungry. So I had these rules I set for myself. I remember being in Florida. And again, I was probably nine-ish maybe at the time. And I remember trying to push myself to eat three of the four pieces. So I was working up to being mentally okay with eating three quarters of the piece of toast. And I trust that I was still hungry, that I needed and wanted to eat that whole piece of toast, but I was really uncomfortable with that because I was uncomfortable and I recognized that the more I ate, that I might put body fat back on. That number on the scale might go up. I might get bigger again. That awareness of food and measuring and restriction, this lasted for years. It is something that I still work on daily to undo that awareness of my belly and what other people might think about it, that has lasted years and still is something that I work at daily to undo. These are the big memories that I have from that time when I was eight, nine, maybe even to 10 years old with that real discomfort, this true eating disorder and it really stemmed from that one conversation that one comment on the playground when someone called me fat and I internalized that I had these messages that fat was bad this is what it started from layering on these other social situations in which I saw the gymnasts weighing themselves and doing these harder tricks and thinking that all their bodies were smaller than mine. And I don't even know if that is true. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. I could have done those skills, done those tricks with a bigger body, which I know and trust because I am in a much bigger body than my eight-year-old self and can still do a lot of those tricks. So I know those stories are not true. Again, what I find so painful is that the discomfort with my body and with food lasted so long after that time. I would say it's been within the last seven or eight years. So from the time I was 25 up till now, 32, of really digging in 
and questioning all this stuff that I think about eating and exercise and my body. And if you have been a client of mine during this time period, which some of you have been with me for that long, which is wild, or if you've been following along on social media or on the blog, you have seen this unpacking over this last seven or eight years. Seven or eight years ago, I was coaching fat loss. I was coaching weight loss. This is what a lot of my messaging centered around. And as you know now, if you are someone who follows, I don't talk about weight loss or fat loss because I have realized that it is still, maybe forever will be unsafe for me to do so. There's a part of me that fears that I will always be needing to unpack this stuff. And you know what? It's true that I likely will be. It is probably something that I will need to keep questioning so I don't fall back into restriction or I don't fall back into these deep discomforts with my body that lead me to change my exercise and eating behaviors in a restrictive way. So this is really why these big shifts have occurred for me over the last seven or eight years is that I just got so sick and tired of carrying, carrying all these years of history with me and then projecting my discomfort of my own body and my own eating onto others in fitness coaching in my work. And not only projecting my discomfort of body and food stuff onto others, but fueling discomfort in others. I was scrolling through my photos on my phone the other day and I came across these client photos, progress photos, you might call them. I'm doing quotes right now on progress photos of these clients who I trained again, seven or eight years ago, multiple angles of their bodies in sports bras and shorts so we could see their belly, we could see their back, we could see their hips, we could see their arms, their thighs, whatever it might be. Measurements, logs of measurements, body measurements that I was taking of clients at this time. So again, not only was I projecting my discomfort on to others in so many ways of coaching and training, weight loss, how I talked about core training and abdominal training in pregnancy and postpartum, the fat loss programs that I was selling and working with clients on, but then that work that I was doing was making them more increasingly uncomfortable in their own bodies. And that feels so shitty. And it's why I take a hard line in the sand right now of saying, we're not going to do that. We are going to look at fitness and food totally differently than how the majority of fitness culture does things. We're not going to look at fitness as a tool for shrinking our bodies. 
We're going to look at fitness as the tool for feeling capable physically in our bodies, but then also for fueling all this incredible big stuff that we want to do in our lives and in the world. So as I said, I have just been unpacking a ton of discomfort over the last seven, eight years specifically. When I was eight or nine years old, deep in that anorexia, things started to shift after that point in my family life. Again, I knew eyes were on me. My parents, super encouraging and positive. Again, getting me to eat more having lots of conversations about how wonderful and magnificent my body was and how it could do all these very cool things. But then it really transitioned into a long, a long road of disordered eating. Low level, very low level at sometimes, higher level at other times, depending on how I felt in my body, what I was going through. So that shifted and changed a lot, again, up until the time I was 25. And then over this last seven or eight years, it has just been going deep on what I thought about my body, what I think about fatness, what I think about fat bodies, and really learning the roots of fat positivity, body positivity, understanding weight neutrality, body neutrality, weight stigma, body confidence. And it has changed, of course, how I coach fitness, but also the relationship that I have with my own self, with my own relationship to movement and fitness and food on every single level. Beyond that, Over the last four and a half years, I have been parenting children. Over the last five years, I have had two full-term pregnancies. My body has shifted so many times in so many ways. It has gotten bigger, smaller again, much bigger, smaller than that again. It has just continued to shift and change so much. And I know that that is what will continue to happen without any more pregnancies because that is not in the cards for my body anymore. But I know and deeply trust that change is the thing that will keep happening. So earlier on, I was talking to this attachment that I felt at eight, nine years old of wanting the number on the scale to get smaller consistently I wanted to feel my body getting smaller. I wanted to keep having these comments about my body that I was so thin and I was so good at gymnastics now and all these comments that did come upon as my body was getting smaller. But now, again, from the last five years of such immense change in my body, it has just given me such trust in knowing that I am okay with whatever my body does. And I don't try to control 
what is going to happen to it, what is going to happen with it, allowing this journey of living in this body to unfold because anything will be okay, bigger, smaller, whatever. Losing this attachment to it needing to be a certain way has been such hard work, but potentially the most important work of my life. I'm parenting a girl kid and a boy kid. And what I really want to show them as well too is a role model of a woman identifying person of a mother who doesn't hate her body or her belly. I want to show them what a woman who is comfortable in her body looks like. I want them to know that and deeply trust that maybe as they get older, as they're adults, as they look back upon their childhood, I want them to know that that's how I felt about my body, that I really enjoyed being in it. And the pleasure that I experienced in my body was real and important. I hope that this hits for you on some level that feels good. If you're a parent, especially, I mean, any any gender, any sex of a child, we know that there can be such significant body image struggles that they come upon that eating disorders are incredibly prevalent. What I take comfort in is knowing how we and our family can teach them about bodies. What can we teach them about bodies? What can we show them? Can we show them that fat, body fat is neutral? Fat is not bad. Fat bodies are beautiful. Can we show them diversity in bodies in their real life, in media, in our bodies? Can we role model people not talking badly about their bodies? I will role model for them a woman who does not talk poorly about her body. And I will attempt and try to limit that type of discussion from other people who are close to us or not close to us coming into their world too. But as it will happen and as it does happen, having the conversations with them to unpack that stuff real time discussing what these conversations about people talking poorly about their bodies or other people's bodies mean and how we are not hopefully going to follow in those footsteps we are going to change the conversation about bodies for ourselves for each other for our communities all right friends i love you thanks for listening If you have more questions on this topic or on my experience, please do ask. Happy to speak more. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 